Listen, I have I do not have a message tonight about those penguins, but I don't care how old I get, that will always be funny to me. I I mean I've watched that probably fifteen times since I decided I was gonna throw that in at the beginning. Um, do you have y'all seen the movies, the Madagascar and the penguins and stuff? Fantastic. That's great comedy. So you might be wondering, so last week or two weeks ago, I opened up with Coco, remember? This week's Madagascar. What's next? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a cartoon kick. I've got a kid now, so I'm watching a lot of cartoons. Um, but we're not going to be talking about Madagascar or the penguins. Um, but I thought that video clip was really good to, as we move into tonight's um, uh, scripture because there's something that those penguins were doing that I think that tonight's scripture really talks about a lot. And those penguins are really good at teamwork in that in that video to me. That was like ultimate teamwork to me. Now, we've been in First Thessalonians for what, like, I don't know, Mr. Corey, how many weeks? Ten weeks? Nine? Ten? I don't know. It's it might be this might be week ten. Um, we've been in First Thessalonians a while. We're coming to a close here. We're in chapter five. That's the last chapter of of this uh, epistle, of this letter. And so we're coming out of a section where Paul had just basically given instruction to believers. Uh, remember, Mr. Corey talked about uh, drunkenness and, and nighttime versus the daytime, children of light. Versus, no, you're good. You're good. Children of light uh, versus children of darkness. Yeah, I got you. Um, and so now in tonight's scripture, you're going to see that Paul turns to a series of what Biblically, we would call ad, admonitions, admonish, per se. Do y'all know what to admonish means? Any guesses? If you admonish somebody, do you know what that means? Admire, okay. Um, it's not admire, it's actually to give warning, okay? So your parents might admonish you, like if you're being, I don't know, disrespectful, Hey, I'm, I'm admonishing you. You're about to be grounded or something, right? And so we're going to see Paul give these admonishments to the church. Now, what we're going to see that as Paul, as we close out this letter, we're going to see that Paul is concerned with leaving these Christians with what the picture of a true church looks like. How they should conduct themselves together as Christians in the community. Um, And again, when I was thinking about this and preparing, all I could think about was teamwork. All I could think about was kind of sort of how we're a team. In here, we're a team. But what I want us to see is that Scripture actually talks about the church being more than a team. The church is actually a family. It's a community. And so if you look in the New Testament, you see a lot of times where Paul refers to believers as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what that means for us as believers in Christ is that we should treat each other as our family. If you are in the church, you should have brothers and sisters and you treat them that way. Now, we're going to see an important theme about family and how we should live together. But would you agree that sometimes families fight? Yeah, sometimes families fight. Um, And sometimes it's hard to live in, in a family And the fact remains that when you bring people together that have different backgrounds, that have various styles and various opinions about one another and various personalities, you're going to have 
potential for problems. And so I think about my own family. So when I was growing up, um, our favorite, my family, we would all go together to St. Augustine Beach. I'm, I'm not from here originally. I'm from South Central Georgia. So like St. Augustine was far away for us. And we would rent a house and there would be 19 people in this one beach house for a week's time on the 4th of July. And I'm sure y'all are thinking, oh yeah, they all got along really well, 19 people in one house, right? No, we fought, we fought like cats and dogs. It was like, you know, don't touch the air, I'm hot, or touch the air. You know, what? it was just crazy stuff. And so when you look at a church and the family and the institution that a church is, you start to see some of that coming out as like a family. And so what I want us to look at tonight is how our church should represent what the gospel is. And, and for the church to accomplish its mission outside of the walls. Do you know we're on mission, right? Do you know what we're on mission for? The church? Jesus. We are on mission for Jesus. You got it right. That's easy. I'm glad, I'm glad you uh, are paying attention. We are on mission for Jesus. And so just like the penguins, they had a mission to steal the Jeep which it was hilarious the way they did it. We have a mission to go out and tell people about Jesus. That is the great commission. That is what Jesus talked about. And so one of the key factors for us to be successful in doing that is how we relate to each other inside of the church. And so as we move into tonight's text, you're going to see that as Paul describes, we're going to look at how Paul describes leaders and then how Paul describes the congregation and how we act with each other. Man, I'll tell you what, as I was preparing for this, I was really anxious because I was like, how in the world am I going to make this sound, I don't know, somewhat right and somewhat appropriate to 6th through 12th graders? And then I had that light bulb moment. It just hit me. I was like, wait, you guys aren't just 6th and 12th graders. You are the church. So just as in everything that you read in Scripture, every Bible verse is appropriate to you. It doesn't matter about your age. You guys are the church right now. You're not the church in the future. You're the church right now. And so what we're going to be talking about tonight is super applicable because we're going to be able to look and see, okay, well, what does it mean to be a healthy church? What does it mean to be in a congregation where we all get along? What does it mean to have a healthy pastor and, and a leader who is doing what he should? 1 Timothy 4.12, I'm sure you've heard this. Don't let anyone look down on you for your importance to what is happening here. Tim, Timothy was a young pastor that Paul was writing to. And so I, what I want us to get out of this again, the main idea, what is a healthy church? How is that identified? And it's identified by how leaders lead and how the congregation gets along with one another. So tonight, as we move into the scripture, I've asked Mr. Oliver to come up and read for us. So if you wouldn't mind standing in honor of reading God's word. So we're going to be reading out of chapter 5 tonight, verses 12 through 15. So take it away, Mr. Oliver. We ask you, brothers, to respect, to respect those who labor among you. And are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem those very high in love because they work, be at peace among themselves, 
And we argue, we argue you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faith, faith-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks for to do good to one another and to to everyone. Let me pray for us really quick. Lord Father, thank you for this evening. God, as we move into your word, Lord, may your spirit just be evident in this place and uh, may you teach us something uh, out of your word that you want us to apply to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, give it a, a round of applause for uh, Oliver. Hey, it's kind, of, it's kind of intimidating to get up and read in front of people um, and just highlight Oliver. I literally asked him like 10 minutes ago. So that was super, super awesome. Uh, you did a great job. So we're going to be looking at these few verses, and you might look at him like, well, that's not a lot. But let me tell you something. You can get a lot out of this. So we're going to kind of break it up. We're going to look at verses 12 through 13 first. And so we're really going to be looking at what leaders are, what leaders look like in the beginning. And so it's interesting because God has woven the need for leaders into our life, whether you play sports, whether you're in a congregation, whether you have a job, leadership is really essential. And so if, if you don't have leadership, your marriages suffer, your sports teams lose, corporations they, they don't sell the products they need to. And most of all, churches fail if they don't have a strong leader. Um, I've never really valued leadership until I got, I guess, became an adult and had to start working a boring job. But I see how important leaders are. Um, now, for the church, there's always been a very, very important need for leaders and so God has called and placed leaders within the church, and those leaders are pastors and they're elders, and they're these people that shepherd the congregation. And really, when you dive into Scripture, you see that Christ has delegated to pastors the responsibility of oversight for the people that they lead. And so when we think about what Paul was writing to here, or who he was writing to in the Thessalonian church, these guys needed a leader. Remember, we, when we first started talking about First Thessalonians, we kind of talked about in the introduction about how this church formed. And it formed in a lot of persecution. And Paul really didn't have time to establish a leadership type of climate in this church. Now, we don't know if they had a, you know, these pastors or shepherds. But what we see tonight is that Paul thought it was important to tell this church how a leader is supposed to lead. And so we're going to spike out some of these words on here and look at how um, a pastor looks and leads in a healthy church. So can you go to the next slide for me? Okay, so um, the first word is works. A pastor works. And actually, it's the next slide. I was confused for a second. There we go. Woo. 
Okay. Um, so don't pay attention to the guy. I do have something to say about him in a minute. Um, so the first thing I want us to look at is that a pastor works. Okay. So we're talking about a leader. You read verse 12 and verse 12 begins by saying, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you. So labor, labor means to exert energy to the point of weariness or fatigue. And as a matter of fact, when you look at that word biblically, a lot of other times it refers to something like farming. Now, do y'all know any, like, do y'all legit know any farmers? Do y'all have any farmers in your family? Okay. Do y'all, those, those, those people work, right? Like they work hard. And so when you think about that word in verse 12, it says, Paul says, respect those who work among you. And so if you have a pastor or a leader in your church, they are supposed to work. They work hard. Um, ministry is not a job. It's a calling, and it's something that is going on 24-7 in a pastor's life. That means that it is his passion. And Paul's life was an example of this. I don't know if you have ever read up on what Paul uh, did for a living, but he was a tent maker. And so he... Uh, I, I was about to say legend goes, but history says that Paul built tents in the daytime to basically financially support himself. So that was his job. And then at nighttime, he went out and preached and did everything else, wrote letters probably, <laughs> right? The letters that we're still reading today. And so if, if this wasn't your calling, then he wouldn't be doing this. Ministry is a life of work. It's a mental and, and it's emotional and it's physical labor. So a pastor of a healthy church and a pastor who works hard is someone who labors for his flock. Now, the second word I want us to look at is that a pastor should lead. So when you're looking at verse 12, it says, respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord. So over you means lead you. And it it suggests a significant role of responsibility. And so Paul actually uses that same word when he's writing in the epistle 1 Timothy, when he's talking to Timothy about elders in the church. And so what he's talking about in that passage is how an elder must lead and direct their family within Christ, and they must do the same thing in the church. And so it's really interesting because you start seeing this picture of a leader that leads by serving, It's not a leader that leads like a dictator or that has like a lot of control or power. That's very tempting. But what Paul is trying to get at is that leaders within the church, a pastor or an elder, these people who are leading the the congregation, they should do so by serving. Now in Sunday school, uh, I think it was last week, we were talking about Mark chapter 10, verses 45. And that's where Christ says that he came not to lead, but to serve, right? He was the ultimate servant to give his life for the sheep. And so we see that a leader, a pastor, an elder, they should lead by serving. And the other word I spiked out here in verse 12, it goes like this. It says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor, so they work who are over you in the Lord, they're leaders of the congregation, and that they admonish you. Now, we already talked about that. Admonish, y'all remember what it means? Warning. It's a warning. And so that's a 
pastoral or a leader responsibility to warn people. And really what the Greek word translated means to put it into your mind. Okay, so a leader's role in a church is to instruct the congregation, right? And a lot of times it carries uh, with it the idea of confronting sinful behavior or warning against bad behavior. And that's always a tough thing to do, right? Like nobody wants to call somebody out for the way they're acting, but that's what pastors are called to do. Um, So this guy right here, love that picture. That's why I threw it on there. So if y'all ever read like commentaries or history books, I'm one of those people that like when I'm reading a quote, I'm like, all right, let me see what this dude looks like. That dude looks like he's staring at you in your dreams at night. Like he looks like... He looks like he's, hey, he's writing some serious stuff right there. But let me tell you what he says. Let me tell you what he says about admonishment and how leaders do, though. He says, it has been remarked, and actually that quote was above that, but it's in dark, but it's okay. It says, it has been remarked that when discipline leaves the church, Christ goes with it. When discipline leaves the church, Christ goes with it. So we see how important it is that leaders and pastors of a healthy church, they work hard, they lead by serving, and they warn the congregation of their behaviors. Now, again, you're probably thinking, all right, I'm just a kid. What do I care about a a leader? What do I care about how a pastor is supposed to act? Well, I'll tell you why. As I was going through this, I started thinking, you know, we're in a really unique situation right now in our church. Um, a very unique situation. So there's, a, there's an elephant in the room. Do y'all, have, you, have y'all ever heard that saying? There's an elephant in the room. Does anybody know what the elephant is? And it's not me. It's not me. What you got, Britton? Whoa! Whoa. Hey, that's fantastic. That's good. Hey, that's good. I have to give it to you for that. So what I want to get at with that, though, and I've lost my place. Um, So the elephant in the room that I'm referring to is that we used to have a solid, solid leader. Pastor Jesse and Miss Kathleen was like this duo that like, I I can't say anything better about them. We had solid leaders. Now we have a solid interim group right now that's leading us right now. Mr. Corey and Miss Jesse, they're doing fantastic. But I don't think it's always going to be that way. We're going to get a new leader here at some point. And so while I was going through this, I was like, well, we should know what we should be looking for in a pastor. We should, look, we should know what we're going to be looking for in a leader that's going to come here. And we should be praying that it's a leader who works hard for us as a congregation and who leads by serving and a leader who warns us when they see that we're going astray or that we're not living the way we should. That's what we should be praying for. And so it was funny. Um, I reached out to a, a good friend of mine, and, and he's a pastor. And I was like... You know, I don't really know what you do on a day-to-day basis. And I was like, I think it would be really helpful for us to see how much a true pastor, 
how, how hard they work. So I want to tell you on a day-to-day basis what this individual is sitting in. Some of the things they do. Here we go. It goes, the spiritual warfare aspect, aspect of fighting for personal holiness, for my family and for the ministry. Building maintenance. I changed light bulbs. I cleaned up leaks. I set up meeting rooms. I vacuumed. I showed people around the church. I answered questions. I worked with church members as they had concerns and criticisms about the church or a specific ministry. I coordinated teams of volunteers and helped them find directions they seek to fulfill roles in ministry. I managed church budgets and spending, always being ready for drop-in ministry, like benevolence, emergency hospital visits in the middle of the night, getting phone calls in the middle of the night for prayer requests and for to come and see people that are struggling. And then also there was this time where um, I've had to clean up, throw up. I've had to plunge toilets. There was a one time that I had to catch a dog and carry it out of a funeral that was trying to get into a building. This was from a pastor. And so, in my opinion, this pastor is a beautiful example of how they're supposed to work hard and admonish and lead others by serving. And so it was really interesting to see what they did on a day-to-day basis. So I wanted us to kind of get some respect as we're reading Paul's letter and see how that's lived out in a pastor's life. Now, as we continue on, um, just uh, through verse 12, again, verse 12 goes, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And then in verse 13 it says, And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Paul is telling them we should, we should look at these people not as like something... That not as in the way that we would look at Christ, but we should respect these people for the work that they do in the church. It's not easy work. It's, it's busy work. And he continues by saying, um, esteem them very highly in love because of their work and be at peace among yourselves. So the logical outcome of doing these things, of having a leader who has these qualities about them, and the congregation looks at this leader and follows them, there's peace. There's peace that follows. And so we move into verses 14 and 15. And 14 and 15 go like this. It says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. There's that word again. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to to one another. So we're at a a kind of a transition here in this passage. We had just been talking about leaders, about pastors and elders. Well, now Paul's talking about the congregation. That's you guys. This is how the congregation is supposed to act and live in a healthy church. And, you know, we we opened up, we were talking about it and of... of when you get a bunch of people together who have different backgrounds and different you know, ways of living, there's these issues that sometimes come about. You might get into fights and arguments and whatnot. And actually, the Forbes, Forbes is like a, I think it's a magazine. Uh, I don't know. I think it's like a magazine. I know they're on the internet. But they put out these lists all the time. And Forbes ranked the role of pastoral leadership within a church as the fifth toughest job in America. Now, most people wouldn't expect that, but they ranked it as, a t- as the fifth toughest job in America, and it's because you have to deal with a lot of people, 
and you have to deal with a lot of issues. And so as Paul moves into this second half of this section here in 14 and 15, we're going to read about what our role as a congregation is in a, in a healthy church. So can you go to that next slide, please? So there's five things that you can spike out here that Paul talks about. The first one, he says, the congregation should admonish the idol. There's that word again, admonish. Now, this part of the verse actually begins with some urgency. And I'll tell you why. Because it says that this is more than a simple request. Back in verse 12, where that word admonish was, he asked them to give proper recognition to the leaders. He told the, the congregation, hey, give recognition to your leaders. Now, here, he's telling them to admonish and to warn the people around you. It seems that although the issue of showing the proper respect for leaders is important, Paul saw that the matter of dealing with problem people in the church was super urgent. And so what he's trying to say is that if you leave unchecked the people that are around you, they might negatively affect the image of the church. These are people who Paul calls in this verse idle. These are people who he sometimes called busybodies. These are people who come to church and they don't really want to be here to learn about Jesus. They just kind of want to be here to um, cause disruptions. And so Paul had in mind here people who were disruptive. And so they're not at church for the right reasons. And since they have the ability to affect the fellowship of the church and their family members around them, Paul says, hey, you got to warn these people. And for, for you guys out there and for even me as a, as, a con, as a member of a church, we have to realize that there's consequences that come for those people who disrupt the fellowship of believers. You know, we want to warn people when sin is in their lives from a spiritual standpoint. That, that should be something that we are courageous enough to do. We talk about it all the time. But if you love someone, you're going to confront them of, of their sin. You're going to confront them because you want them to be going in the right path and walking uh, according to the Bible. And so Paul says here, hey, as a congregation, a congregation in, healthy, in a healthy church, you should warn the people that you see that are busybodies and that are idle. The second thing. Okay. I got to hurry up. Okay. Uh, the second thing, the congregation should encourage the faint-hearted. The faint-hearted here, this word is really the opposite of the irresponsible. These are people who are just kind of like not really willing to serve. They might be kind of downhearted. And the word here means to encourage people. Are you encouraging people to serve in the church? Are you encouraging the people around you, your brothers and sisters, as they're facing trials and difficulties in their life? Because we all have them. We all have crazy stuff that's going on outside in our life. So are you encouraging these people? Paul says that a congregation in a healthy church encourages the faint-hearted. Number three there, he says the congregation should help. Wow, that's embarrassing. I'm an engineer. <laughs> That's supposed to be weak, like I'm weak. It's not 
the week in the, in the, in the uh, calendar. But Paul says that we should help the weak. The congregation in the church should help the weak. What does that mean? Physically, you know somebody that's sick. Help them out. Spiritually, if they're weak, help them out. The third thing, or the fourth thing, this one's huge. Be patient with each other. Are we good at that? I I, I was about to say, you don't have to answer it, but I know patience is hard. Patience is a spiritual quality that Paul talks about in his other letters. A congregation in a healthy church is patient with one another. If you love them, you'll be patient with them. And the final thing that he says here is the congregation should seek to do good. Now, that's a big thing. In a church, one may think that all Christians love one another, but sadly, that's not always the case. And people in the church are actually capable of inflicting further damage to others than you would imagine. And so Paul tells us here to love your neighbors. Seek to do good. And so... um, As we close this out, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Again, as as we close out, we've, we've talked a lot about the church. We've talked about respect for leaders, what a leader looks like, what a pastor looks like, what an elder looks like, how our lives as congregation should look. But now I ask this question, are you able to do those things? Do you think you can do it? And do you want to do it? It all comes down to your walk with with God and how that is. And so you have to realize that the Bible depicts us as humans as in revolt against God. And therefore, because of that, because we can't follow his rules, we're under judgment. But although God stands over against us in judgment, quite amazingly, He stands over against us in love because He is that kind of God. And He sent His Son, Jesus, for that. And so Christ went to the cross. He bore the sins for us. And so because of that, that's why we are on mission for Jesus, to go out and tell people everywhere about that. And so I just challenge you guys to... Um, always go back and read the passages that that we talk about. Um, Don't take my word for it. Don't take Mr. Corey's word for it. But go back and read it and see what it means to live in a healthy church and to have healthy leaders and to thank the leaders that you have here right now. You have some great leaders, and it's not just me and Mr. Corey. You have people like Miss Hines and... And Miss Deanna and, and, and Miss Amanda and McHackens and, and Mr. Christian and Mr. Finstermacher and the Trothiers and, and Carla Davis and Kimberly Braun. All these people help out and sometimes you don't see them, but they're living that walk. They're doing that walk by serving us and the church. So as always, the altar will be open. I'll move my Coke so you don't knock it over. But... Um, y'all feel free to come up, get some, some prayer in, put prayer requests on the orange cards. They get prayed for. We pray for them. We love you guys. And uh, I'm going to ask Mr. Corey to come up here and pray us as we move to our final song.